welcome to Emotion Well, EFR's podcast about all things related to emotional wellness. I'm Johanna Dunlevy, the wellness manager for Employee and Family Resources, also known as EFR, and I'm the host of our podcast. As an FYI, EFR is located in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are Iowa's first employee assistance program and provide a variety of services you can learn more about at www.efr.org. I'm so excited to be here today with my friend Emily Holly. Emily is the Regional Communications Manager for the Nebraska and Iowa Red Cross region. Welcome, Emily, to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So uh, the idea for this kind of came up in, in a playground conversation because Emily and I have um, daughters who are friends and we were just talking about the different work we do across uh, both of the nonprofits we work with. So Emily with the Red Cross, me with Employee and Family Resources, and then it was like, well, let's just do a podcast episode. So tell yeah, our listeners it. a little bit about yourself, Emily, um, at your sure. comfort level. And then I'd love to learn more about um, just kind of, we'll talk a lot about the Red Cross. So don't don't get it all out in this first uh, <laughs> question, but just about yourself and then what your role is with the Red Cross. Yeah. Well, um, as you said, I'm the communications manager with the Red Cross. I am based in Des Moines, Iowa with you. Um, and I've been in this position for three years. Prior to that, I was running a $5 million 501c4 organization about healthcare. Um, and then over my career over the last, you know, probably 15 years, I suppose I've, I've worked in different nonprofit jobs. Okay. Um, I love working in the nonprofit sphere. I love, um, being there for communities and being there for people. Uh, and so when this opening at the Red Cross happened a few years ago, I, I eagerly pounced on it. Um, because I just, I love my job. I love the work that I do and the people that I get to work with. Um, I'm, I'm a very proud Iowan. I went, I got my bachelor's degree from Luther college in Decorah, which I know, you know, well, I know well, and the guest, we just had a guest on Angie Chaplin who grew up in Decorah. I know that my little starting, blue, my starting blue, to get kind of weird. All my podcast guests have connections to my my hometown area. So. My little blue, like go Norse flag kind of peaked as soon as she said Decora, as it does yes. with everybody who yes. says Decora. Um, and then uh, about eight years ago, I, I went and I got a master's in public administration from Drake University here in Des Moines. And so um, that helps fuel all of my all of my work. And then in my very limited spare time, as you know, as a parent, you don't have a whole lot. But uh, <laughs> in my in my limited spare time, I'm an advocate for um, the disability community, those living with chronic pain and illness, because I live with chronic pain and illness. And so your podcast, mental health, um, is certainly a, an area that that is is personal to me and it affects me and my family. And so it's something that we're always very conscientious of in our house. Well, thank you. And thank you for being a listener. I'm, I'm excited that you and, and your husband are both uh, subscribers to Emotion Well. So it's very, very um, special when I get to have people I know personally on the podcast. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about the Red Cross. I'll just be sure. honest. You know, when I think of the Red Cross, <clears throat> I think of a few things. I think of CPR and first aid because over the years as a wellness professional, I've always had to hold some kind of CPR, AED, first aid, you know, certificate. And I've almost always had it from the Ameri from the Red Cross. Um, and then I've also associated them with swim lessons over the years, because I know that the Red Cross does uh, swim 
instructor training, and then you can do swim lessons through the Red Cross. So that's kind of my, my limited scope. Um, so tell us more, like what, what is the Red Cross? Cause most people are going to say, oh yeah, I know what the Red Cross is. I know what they do, but do they? Yeah, that's, that's such a great question. And, you know, it's interesting when I get into casual conversations with people about my work, you know, in this country, one of the maybe first or second questions you ask somebody new is, oh, well, where do you work? And I say, I work Mm -hmm. for the Red Cross. And everybody has a different perception of what the Red Cross does kind of based on what they grew up with. You know, my dad is a huge history buff. So when he, when I say the Red Cross, he thinks about, um, the history with the Red Cross and, you know, all of the things that they've done during, during the war effort, during World War II and World War I. And, um, and that's part of it. And people think about training services. And, um, you know, if you live in a, a region that gets a lot of really severe disasters, people think of, people think of us then, uh, if you're living in an area that collects a lot of blood and blood products, people think of us then. So, you know, our mission overall is to alleviate and prevent human suffering. Um, that has been the mission for over 140 years since the Red Cross was founded um, just after the Civil War started. And so we're really able to accomplish that um, through our five lines of service. And so you, you t- we touched on some of them, but, um, you know, we have training services where we provide that CPR and AED training. Um, and other trainings. There's a lot of really good trainings on there. Um, we have the service to the armed forces through which uh, we're actually chartered by Congress to help support veterans, their families, those who are actively serving. Um, so we have that branch. And along with that branch is international services. So, um, you know, when there are conflicts across the world, uh, often the Red Cross will be involved. Um, and we supply 40% of the nation's blood. So, um, yeah, yeah. So you're supplying it to hospitals and yeah, all over everywhere, all over the country. Yes. When you donate blood at a red cross blood drive, the blood will stay local, um, if it's needed, but blood can only be kept on the shelves for 45 days. And so one of the benefits of, of giving blood with the red cross is that that blood is always going to go to where it's needed. So if it's needed where you are, then that's where it's going to go. But, you know, what's nice is that if, you know, when disasters happen, um, those areas aren't able to hold blood drives for a while, but they desperately need blood coming in. And so we're able to get that blood to them, you know, and so, you know, when the tornadoes hit in Kentucky and just devastated Kentucky, for example, we sent blood there. Um, And so those folks were getting blood from, from people, you know, probably in this region. Um, And with, uh, with our blood donor app, you can track where your blood goes. Really? Okay. I'm adding it to the show notes. That's really cool. It's yeah. It's super fun. I will, um, I'll, I'll send you the, I'll send you the details on that. Yeah. It, it I'd is love a to really cool. That. It's a cool service, you know, because it, it really lets people know that they really are doing something good, not just for their community, but for the whole, for the whole country. Yeah. You know? Um, and then, you know, unfortunately we are seeing a large spike in disasters. And so when these disasters strike, whether it be uh, a home fire, which is the most common disaster, that's where okay. we, 
usually respond um, the most, um, or it could be a disaster the size of Hurricane Ian, for example. Okay. Um, we have folks that respond. So disaster services is our is our last uh, line of service. All right. So when you say that home fires are the most common disaster, mm-hmm. that makes sense, right? Because there's not going to be a tornado or a hurricane happening every day, but every day there's going to be multiple home fires. Um, but those are the things that people don't probably really think about unless they know someone who's been affected by it, or they drive by a, you know, a a house that, that is on fire. Like I, you know, I'm just thinking through my life. Uh, I've been, my dad lost his apartment in 1996 due to a really uh, bad fire. Thankfully, no one was injured, but he lost everything. And now I'm wondering, and I, I don't know, my dad has passed away and I was only 14 at the time, but I'm wondering if the Red Cross helped at that time because it, it was quite a, it was an apartment that burned um, on an old main street in Lansing where I'm from and it affected mm-hmm three different buildings. And so I'm sure the Red Cross did respond in some way, but at the time I wasn't aware of it. So that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I like to tell people that we really are everywhere. And even if you yeah. don't, even if you don't see us, we're, we're just there. So um, how does, okay. So someone's home yeah, starts on yeah. fire. How does the Red Cross find out about this to get yeah. notified that this family may need assistance? That's a, that's a wonderful question. So, um, we have amazing relationships and and I, I'm gonna I'll get very, very local with this answer. We have amazing relationships across our region, you know, okay. in in Nebraska and in Iowa. Um, and when something happens, when a when a fire happens, the fire department will often call us. Okay. Um, so oftentimes we will be, we will have volunteers who are, who are first on the scene. Um, and folks, you know, folks who have had a fire who maybe, um, we haven't heard about, they're welcome to call us, um, because we, we, we can assist you if you've had a home fire. Um, but you know, one of the things that, that we do, uh, is we show up and we see, um, what is the damage? And and really the uh, one of the first questions that we want to have an answer to is, does this person or persons, families, do they have a safe place to go? Right. Do they have food? Um, we, we always have um, what we call comfort kits. And so these are, it's just a, it's a small bag that's full of small, you know, little items that you need that you don't think to grab and you don't have time to grab. So, it, you right. know, a toothbrush. Mm-hmm. a washcloth, you know, basic things like that. Um, and we, so immediately we want to make sure that those immediate needs are met. Are these people safe? Do, you know, do they have somewhere to go? Um, assuming they can't go back into their right. home right away, which right. a lot of people can't. Um, and so we see obviously, and, and for logical reasons, we see a, an increase in home fires during the winter time. Um, you know, people using things like candles, space heaters, but we're seeing more of them during the summer too. Um, and so one of the things that, that we always like to tell people is to really, is to think about that. And we are, we're a very preparedness, um, heavy organization. You know, we, 
we want to, we want to stop the disaster before it happens. And sometimes right. you can do that. And sometimes you can't, but at the very least you can be prepared in something in the event that something happens. Right. Well, so, and with something like a home fire, mm-hmm. much easier to take preventative measures than right. a natural disaster. Right. So, I mean, yeah. we can't and, necessarily stop a tornado from, from happening, but we can make sure that we are making our home as safe as possible to minimize the risk of a home fire. So I like right. that. And what when, you, when, oh, go ahead. Well, when home fires happen or or any disaster, um, when it comes to disaster response, our job is to walk with people through the recovery process. And so um, we have people that come on site to meet immediate needs, but then we also have people who will call every so often and follow up and say, and just check in, you know, how are you doing? Nice. What do you what do you need? And if it's something that that the Red Cross isn't equipped to provide, we connect you with one of our organizations that we partner with to um, to help get you to that place where you need to be to get, you know, to get past this, yeah. because that's ultimately what we want for people when they go through something horrible, like a home fire. And unfortunately yeah. they are so very common. Yeah. And how, I mean, just thinking from the emotional health perspective of all of this, you know, how emotionally challenging it is to experience something like that, because it's, it's a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. It's a loss. It's, uh, you know, a very uncertain time. It's a, how are we going to get from this to the next place or space in life? So I love that. You mentioned earlier that you have volunteers that go and help with, you know, things like fires. So just tell me a little bit about, and I didn't give you this as something to prepare for. So I'm putting you on the spot, but do a lot of people volunteer for the Red Cross and do they go through some like formalized training to be able to support people during these crises? This is, this is one of my favorite questions. So you're not putting me on the spot. Uh, because it's my <laughs> I favorite, figured you'd know that it's answer, my, but... it's my favorite question. I love talking about our volunteers. Um, and actually I had it in my notes for, for one of your last questions, but something that I find incredible about the Red Cross is that we are actually, and this is a national number, we are nationally 90% run by volunteers. Oh, wow. So we couldn't deliver on our mission if it weren't for the incredibly dedicated people that volunteer for us. And these could be people who are retired and have, you know, loads of time to give, or these could be, um, you know, these could be people who have an hour here or there uh, and and who just want to do something good with that time. And um, we will take that. We'll take that. And we have all these volunteer positions and roles and departments you can work with. Um, but these uh, the folks that respond to fires. So, you know, if there's a fire in Des Moines, for example, um, or Omaha or Grand Island or Cedar Rapids or, you know, anywhere, even, you know, even in rural places like Shell Rock, where my dad grew up um, or Lansing, uh, we have what we call disaster action team members. And these are volunteers who they have gone through. Um, they We do have specialized training that trains everybody. And we have different levels of training based on what you want to do and based on the amount of time that you have. So mm-hmm. um, if if you say, hey, you know, that sounds awesome. I would really like to respond to fires in my community. Please do. Disaster action team members that are willing to just 
stay local and and not just but willing to stay local and respond to fires that's huge that's a huge thing to offer and um you know some sometimes you might have a, a busy couple months and sometimes you might not and and that's part of it but these are people who who truly give up themselves because if they get that call in the middle of the night or whenever the fire is sometimes in the early morning hours um they will they'll be there they'll be there they'll have the red vest on they'll be prepared to to help to listen to give hugs or you know offer comfort um and just be there with that person while they are you know watching watching this happen and and talking to to firefighters and and you know maybe even paramedics but um just kind of have somebody there who who knows about this and who is able to walk with someone through that so absolutely and then are those the people that cool occasionally thing. do kind of the follow-ups like a couple of weeks later how are you doing what yeah are you doing? so we have folks who another volunteer position is a recovery caseworker and so okay. Yeah. So after there has been a fire or a disaster, we have recovery caseworkers who are still working with people after Hurricane Ian, which was almost a year ago. Wow. But um, and these are people who they can work from home and they you know, you don't have to necessarily be where you're talking to the person. But these are people who can get on the phone and, you know, they'll have somebody's somebody's case and they'll follow up and they'll say, hey, you know, I I, I see that you you had a fire. A month ago, six months ago, um, how's it going? Where, you know, what, what, what do you need? Where are you at with the recovery process? Um, and it's a really cool thing to talk to people, to talk to clients who, who have been through this process and who are just like, you know, I'm really grateful that the Red Cross was there to help us. One of our, one of our really cool volunteers, uh, she's a disaster services volunteer and she actually, uh, she's retired military. And she's from a small town in Nebraska and her name's Yvonne. And she's so dedicated to the Red Cross. She has a Red Cross tattoo. Oh, wow. That is amazing. She's super. I know she's so dedicated. She literally wears it on her person. But um, (laughs) now that she's retired and now that her kids are all grown and out of the house, she deploys to disasters across the country. She goes, I mean, every time we deploy volunteers to a disaster response, um, I get CC'd on that email so I can see who's going. And Yvonne, I mean, she she answers the call pretty much anytime it comes out. Nice. And she's willing to do that. And she's so, so passionate about it because when she was a young mom, her home caught on fire. Oh, wow. And the Red Cross was there. Yeah. And was... this was, it was a long time ago, but yeah. She, has always wanted to give back. But what a great intrinsic motivator, because totally. I do feel like in a lot of, you know, no matter what we're talking about, I think a personal experience that someone has had can really motivate them to help others in similar situations or help others avoid similar situations. So I love that story. Um, I was just thinking, and, I, and now I lost my train of thought, but I had a good question. It was about you're talking, Oh, it was about when people check in a month or six months later. So it made me think about how, um, when traumatic events happen to people, there's a lot of attention in, in the beginning, you get a lot of people reaching out to help you immediately. 
But over time, I do feel like that kind of fades and it could be a traumatic event, like a natural disaster or a home fire, or it could be even when you're talking about grief, you know, loss of a loved one, like in the first month, people really show up. And then, you know, over six months, a year, people don't show up as much um, because, well, for whatever reason, life, life is going on for everyone. Right. But I like that you have the, and what did you call the recovery, the, the post-recovery volunteer position or. The recovery caseworkers? The recovery caseworkers, yes. Yeah. Like a recovery caseworker is, you know, as I'm imagining it, someone who is reminding these people who've experienced traumatic events that they're not forgotten about. Right. And that there's still resources available. Because I think that's another thing that, you know, people just generally struggle with is asking for help. You know, we've all been there. We've all needed help, but said, no, I got this that's so kind of you, but I don't need it. But I think when you can be presented with the resources, whatever they may be, um, to help you, I think that's really important. So I like that you have those recovery caseworkers. Let's talk a little bit about, um, if there are any myths and misconceptions about the Red Cross, I'd be curious to know kind of from your perspective as a team member at the Red Cross, um, you know, are there any things that you want to debunk about the Red Cross? Oh, sure. There, I, there's always things that, you know, I mean, it's this it's this large humanitarian organization that um, is sometimes featured on movie sets. Um, you know, sometimes if there's a if there's a big disaster in a movie, you'll you'll see that Red Cross emblem. And um, sometimes you'll even see people in the red vests. Um, but, you know, it really does come down to to volunteers and to people that are able to make it happen. Um you know, it's not just it's not just staff, although we have I have wonderful coworkers and I, I love working with all of them and meeting other coworkers from states across the country. But it really does come down to those volunteers who are able to to help us execute this mission. Um, and, you know, even amongst our even amongst the recovery caseworkers, we actually have certified disaster mental health professionals who deploy with us. They are, right. they are, yeah, they're part of the disaster volunteer team. Um, and when events happen, they deploy and they, they help provide people with that mental health counseling that they need, um, and help to hook them up with other mental health resources that they might need going forward, which is, That's which great. is important, you know? Yeah. Um, but a couple of the other like fun, fun myths, um, I don't, I, I, somebody said to me like, oh, you know, the Red Cross, like they're great, but you know, they're always there when bad things happen. And, and it's true. Like we yeah. are there when, when bad things happen. Yeah. Uh, and that's important, but we're also there to, for good things as well. You know, the, um, we, we are a part of the community. And one of the ways we do that, uh, we're committed to preventing home fires. Um, and that, that's a program that actually started here in Iowa, about a little over 10 years ago, and it's now a national program. And we actually install free smoke alarms in neighborhoods really? across the country. Yep. Wow. And um, these are these are neighborhoods that um, are at more risk for a fire. I, I went to uh, an, a, a smoke alarm installation event on a Saturday morning in Iowa City a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, it it wasn't like dilapidated homes or anything like that. It, it, they were just older homes and they were farther away from the fire trucks. Right. And so what, yeah. So our staff, the, the folks that, that I work with in disaster services, they reach out to fire chiefs all over our region 
and say, you know, hey, do you have any do you have anywhere that that you're worried about with home fires? So it could be old buildings. It could mm-hmm. be it could be, you know, at risk neighborhoods. It could be places that are far away from a fire station. Um, but it could be in communities where they don't speak English as as their first language. And so um, we work with them to ensure that those people get free smoke alarms, that they're installed and that they also get fire prevention education. You know, remember to check your smoke alarm. We help them plan an escape route out of their house. Um, but that's a that's a now a nationwide program. That's one of my favorite programs. Very actually. cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. So that's that's kind of a common misconception. We're also there for good things too. Yeah, absolutely. Um can people who are experiencing, you know, a disaster reach out to the Red Cross? They don't have to wait for the re- they don't have to wait for someone from the Red Cross to reach them. They can initiate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we've had people, we've had people reach us um by calling the 1-800 Red Cross. That is a staffed number. You will talk to an actual person. Um, you could have had a fire. 10 minutes ago, or you could have had a fire three days ago, you can call. Um, we have, we've had people message us through our social media. Uh, when you do that, you are 99.9% talking to me. Um, <laughs> I, I run our social media. So, um, if I don't have the answer, I will find someone who does, but, um, you know, sometimes when a, when a large disaster happens, sometimes it can take a while for everybody to, to get a, a call from us. And so if you, if you were waiting and you need help, yes, please absolutely call us. Good. I think, you know, as I was thinking about recording this episode and as we were preparing for it, you had mentioned the licensed mental health therapists that you can send to, you know, situations that where people need that emotional support. And, and that was the first time I'd ever really thought of the Red Cross helping in that way. So at EFR, you know, we're, we're serving organizations and we serve individuals. But when, when I talk about our EAP benefit serving organizations, you know, it's not uncommon for us to get a phone call from one of our clients saying that uh, we have, you know, had an incident, a traumatic incident or a crisis in the workplace or outside the workplace, but related to one of our team members and we need support. And so then we'll send one of our licensed mental health counselors on site mm-hmm. to do kind of a group debriefing and, and provide one-on-one um you know, support if, if it's requested and needed. And I just think it's great that knowing that we're not the only, you know, organization or, you know, it's not just EAPs that can provide that. So an organization like the Red Cross that people might be able to think of quickly and Google and call it, you know, when 1-800-RED-CROSS number and, and access, you know, someone who can help them. I think that's really important. And I think it takes a village, right? When you're experiencing a trauma oh, or yeah. a loss, uh, it takes so many different resources. And so I'm just thinking, you know, if if you're someone listening to this episode and you're a manager in a workplace and you know you have EFR's benefit, you know, you can always call our 800 number to talk to us about Im- concerns you have for an employee. Um, but you can also know that the Red Cross can help that person transition, right, into a safe space, um, making sure that they have their needs met. And I think that's, it's just a really great resource that I think a lot of people probably overlook. Um, anything, anything is the fall. So we're, you know, recording this, this episode is, is during the fall, a lot of hurricanes and is that pretty much your big natural disaster in the fall? In the fall, sadly, yes, hurricanes. And, um, 
you know, I guess I suppose the the with hurricanes, it, it is nice that we're able to prepare, at least to some extent. Um, but you know, one of the things that that we've noticed is that we are in a changing weather pattern, weather pattern, extreme weather is happening yes, more and more. Absolutely. And, and we're seeing it all across the country. Wildfires are more prominent. They're burning for longer. They're affecting more people. Hurricanes are, the disaster is more extensive. Um, but another thing we've noticed is, and, you know, to you saying that it takes a village, it really does. Because one of the things we've noticed is that a lot of times these natural disasters will hit the same people more than once. Right. Right. And, you know, they're hitting the same communities over and over again. And so one of the things that that we are working on as an organization within our disaster services department is um, we're working on the ground in those communities because, you know, when a disaster happens, you don't just want a bunch of national organizations to swoop in and then swoop out. Right. Right. You want, right. You want to make sure that people are are strong and healthy and ready, right. whether a disaster is going to happen or not. Right. And so yeah. we 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 have partners on the ground in these communities and we work with local governments so that um, we can try to mitigate the um the effect that that a, a terrible disaster might have but yes um hurricane season is is on hurricane season is happening um and and hopefully it's not going to be a bad season but um we have volunteers that are ready to go we have staff that sign up for shifts you know to to deploy um including me and so everybody everybody takes a turn in the calendar and if something happens during your, you know, I think it's two weeks during your two week term, um, you might get a call. Yeah. So you're essentially on call for. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, this has been such a great conversation, Emily. Is there anything else you want our listeners to know about the Red Cross or ways that they can contribute to the mission of the Red Cross? Yeah. You know, um, and that's that's wonderful. And and I know that just based on the episodes that you have and the topics you cover, I know that there are really um, humanitarian minded people who listen. Yes. And so to them, if you are looking for ways to strengthen your community and you have some time to help out the Red Cross, we would we would love to have you. Um, like I said earlier, regardless of how much time you're willing to give us, if you can't give us 40 hours a week, that's fine. We don't, you know, that's fine. Um, most people can't give 40 hours a week, right? right? But if, if you have an hour here or there and you have something that you really like to do, um, you know, it could be, it could be helping people recover from disasters by being a recovery caseworker, or you could work with me in the communications department by being able to take pictures at events or take video or um, help us make sure that we're keeping messaging updated. If a disaster does happen, you know, help have someone who can keep that Facebook page updated, things like that. Um, but we just have this wide range. And so it's easy. All you have to do, you go to redcross.org uh, slash volunteer. And you can type in your zip code and all of these positions will pop up. And if something piques your interest, 
you know, sign up. We'd love to have you. Um, if you if you do want to support the Red Cross, you're unable to volunteer um, and you'd like to make a financial contribution, you can do that on the website too. And, and we greatly appreciate it. It goes to to our, our programs that help prevent things like home fires. You know, you can uh, give money to the home fire campaign, which helps with that free smoke alarm installation, or you can support those affected by disasters. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And we're going to link uh, the redcross.org slash volunteer in our show notes, as well as the 800 number, which is 1-800-RED-CROSS. I would also like you to send me the blood donor app information. So for people who have <laughs> donated, because I think that's something that, I don't know, whenever you can connect you know, what you've done to kind of the outcome of it, I think that makes you more motivated to do it again. So I love that. And uh, if you have any information about the free smoke detectors, I think that'd be interesting to link in the show notes. I'd be happy to do that. And something, something that we do um, for, if you need a hearing impaired smoke alarm, we can install that. So that uh, we get requests for that all the time. Um, We are always happy to, to make sure that you have what you need to keep your home safe. Yes. Well, Emily, thank you so much for your time. And it's been just a great conversation talking professionally. Uh, We normally talk personally. So this was really fun. Thank you so much for being on the show. Anytime. Thank you. Emotion Well is hosted by Johanna Dunlevy and produced by Casey Johnson.